0: Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. Well, good afternoon. How y'all doing? Welcome to church. Somebody make some noise of what God is doing along the Mon River. Man, it is, it's uh, just exciting. Thank you for your giving. Uh, As you give to Faith, assembly allows us to be a part of of just seeing our prayers, this dead things come to life. We call it River Wake uh, because the scripture says in Ezekiel that everywhere the water goes, dead things came to life. And uh, we're just praying that we would be that source of water to our world. In the uh, Monongahela River, uh, along there, there's three uh, communities in Fayette County here that we've been targeting, uh, Belvernon. Brownsville and uh, Point Marion. And, and our prayer is this, that we would be able to go along the river and pull out Moses'. If you remember in, in Genesis, Moses was placed in the water by his mother and uh, he went in a slave but came out a prince. And uh, we, wanna, we wanna take uh, and just reach into some lives of, of young, uh, young families uh, and uh, just uh, let them know their purpose and who they are in Christ. And so we've had the property in Belvernon, and and uh, we've had the, the men's home there for a number of years now, the uh, Valley Life, uh, men's Home, Valley Life Discipleship Home, that place is up and running for a couple years. We are starting this July a dinner church. It is going to be a Tuesday night church, not in pews, not in chairs, but at a table eating a meal. And we're going to launch a different kind of church called the Dinner Church uh, at uh, Belle Vernon Campus. And then in Brownsville, prayerfully going to be launching this fall a faith campus there with Pastor Bill and his team leading And uh, this school year, launching in Point Marion, the Converge Center, we have the property right along the main street there in Point Marion, a beautiful property that our team has renovated, and uh, turned that into a place that we can tutor some young people, creating an after-school program, and uh, just with a goal of being salt and light in our world. And so you can be a part of one of those teams, Uh, maybe you want to be a part of launching the dinner church, Uh, you're going to eat anyway, so uh, why not... uh, uh, eat with some folks and uh, be, uh, be salt and light in that community uh, or in Point Marion or our Brownsville team. So just want to say thank you for your your giving and uh, making it possible that we can, with missions, do uh, a part of work that is in Swaziland. I love that we get to talk about we're, we're ministry in Swaziland. We got a team uh, heading to Swaziland, Africa, and uh, we, we were able to build uh, that orphanage there in Africa and uh, we're also able to do something right here in Fayette County because how many know both matter? It's not just there, not just here. God help us to be uh, uh, impact in our world. Well, again, welcome, glad you're here. We're wrapping up this series called uh, Family Matters, and one of my favorite topics to talk about is the family, and uh, we, we're we gonna be wrapping that up today, so next Sunday, as Pastor Bill mentioned, do not come here. I mean, when have you ever heard the preacher say that? Don't come here next week. Uh, that's because we're gonna be at Story Square, so I hope you'll join us downtown. Uh, be a great day. Bring your blanket, bring your, your, uh, your chair, and uh, come and sit. The blanket is not to cover up, so don't expect that kind of weather. Uh, I, hope it's a, I hope it's nice and warm with some good shade. And uh, uh, right where they put the Christmas tree at Story Square, we're gonna have a baptism tank and uh, we're gonna celebrate people's lives being transformed by the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. So I hope you'll make plans. Join us next Sunday at Story Square, parking's free at the uh, the Peter, uh, uh, Peter Street Garage and just walk across there. Uh, both Peter Street and Main Street will be shut down. So we got room to just flow into the street. So invite folks to come. And celebrate uh, freedom with us as we celebrate our our country, our nation. Uh, but we celebrate most of all the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Are you ready for the word? Amen. All right, this is our last one for uh, our uh, family series. And if this is the first one you came to, uh, I'm sorry because um, we're gonna we're gonna go deep today. I said we should have put oxygen tanks underneath the uh, uh, the seats so we have altitude. Like, okay, we're gonna take a landing and. Uh, Uh, I want to talk today about the uh, uh, gender identity crisis in our world. Uh, I want to talk about uh, just the uh, impact of the family, how we can influence that. The home is such a crucial place in our world and in our culture, and the home ought to be a training ground that is a safe place. It's a training ground that is a safe place. The home should not be the only place that is a training ground uh, and a safe place. There can be other places, but the home needs to be the main place. We as parents and as as leaders in our homes, we cannot delegate the responsibility of training up our children to someone else. I thank God for our teachers. I thank God for our schools. um, But it's not their job to train up my child. It's my job. It's my job to train up the child. They come along and they have a role and they have a part in that. And there is a confusion that is hitting our, our, our culture and our world. And I want to address that today and, and not from the aspect of picking up stones and throwing at people like, I can't believe there's a world like this. Because the Bible says, whoever's without sin, throw the first stone. No takers. I mean, who in the world, who are we that we could throw stones? This is not about throwing stones at people or a culture or a world that were like, how could, they, how could they do that? This is about identifying and saying, okay, what is truth? And before we acknowledge a speck in someone else's eye, is there a plank we might need to look at in our own? Is there something that maybe we need to consider of how this is, this is influenced? The home is to be a, a training ground that is a safe place to raise up our children, a training ground. Anytime that someone's going to be trained, it better be safe. If it's not safe, there's not good training. Because if you're going to do training, how many know that means you're going to make mistakes because you're training? Our homes are, should be a safe place that we can train, that we can, we can learn. Yeah, there's a place of discipline, but it needs to be a safe place that the discipline is effective and productive, and it's, and it's giving way to truth, that we train up and do the best that we can and uh, how we can influence. I'm gonna look in, in Matthew chapter 19, and, and you can just look there and, and hold that spot. We're gonna do things a little different today. We'll come back and visit that uh, in, a, in a moment. Uh, but I, I wanna just set this, this up for us today, and, and uh, I recognize that we can't just oversimplify this, this gender identity uh, uh, matter that we have in our world. I don't wanna oversimplify it, but I do believe that it is affected by the condition of our marriages. I don't believe that unhealthy marriages caused it, but I do believe it's contributed to it. That it's one thing to say, and and so the reason I wanna talk to us today is about having the proper attitude and, and perspective on marriage and the marriage bed. When I say marriage bed, I'm talking about sex, and we're not going to talk about sex in this uh, message today but we're going to talk about where sex is appropriate and how uh not how it works that I'm not talking to you about that. All right, that's uncomfortable. Okay. <laughs> Matthew chapter 20 or I said 26 if I did I meant chapter 19. Um you guys got me all uh frazzled here now so uh uh Here's what, so what I want to do is I want us to today I recognize that if we 're going to address a crisis that 's going on and if we 're going to bring healing, you can 't bring healing without sometimes addressing some items that need to be taken care of right here. If the doctor's going to perform surgery, how many know they probably are going to clean out a wound. someone in fact, one of our worship team. Uh, he works in the medical field. He said, yeah, there's a name for it. I'm not gonna try and say it because I don't remember. I just remember it was gross. And he said, they open the wound before they perform surgery and they scrub it out and clean it. How many know that can't be comfortable? And I want you to recognize that maybe today we talk a little bit, might not get comfortable, but that's okay because sometimes in order to walk in healing, we have to allow the discomfort so that we can walk with healing and not just contribute to the brokenness. Somebody say amen. In order to be healed, sometimes we gotta acknowledge and just say things, not in condemnation, because that's not how God works, but in truth, in love, and to acknowledge some things that need to, be, need to be put in perspective, all right? So I wanna do this today. Since we're gonna go there, I want us to stand, and I'm gonna reference a scripture, but we're gonna stand and pray. Usually we stand to read. We're gonna stand to pray, because I wanna pray this. God, give us ears to hear, and uh, speak to our heart, maybe an area that we need to allow your work to be done, healing to be done in our life, that our homes would be a healthy place, that whether we're married or not married, that the marriage bed, our attitude towards sex would be honorable and pleasing to God. Somebody say, Amen. amen. So, Lord, this is your word, and uh, we're your people. God, we live in a world that is broken. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be salt and light in a broken world. Uh, God, I'm reminded right now that sometimes when salt gets in the wound, God, we don't wanna irritate. We don't wanna cause controversy. We don't wanna raise a fuss, make a stink. God, we wanna proclaim truth and healing that is found in Jesus Christ. So give us perspective, wisdom, understanding, and grace. Lord, I just pray that right now over every listener. God, I know in this room there is not one perfect man or woman, not one perfect marriage. God, we all have blemishes in our past, and so God, today we're not picking up stones. God, we're saying apply your healing, that we might be carriers of your healing in a broken world. So we pray this in Jesus' name. If you agree with that today, would you say amen? All right, remain standing just for this reference. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, a few verses, and here's what Paul says to the church in Corinth. He says, because of the present crisis, because of the present crisis, I think it is best to remain as you are. If you have a wife, do not seek to end the marriage. If you do not have a wife, do not seek to get married. But if you do get married, it is not a sin. Somebody say, praise God. And if a young woman gets married, it is not a sin. However, those who get married at this time will have troubles and I am trying to spare you those problems, amen. Thanks for coming to church today. Hope you have a wonderful week and uh, be encouraged. No, this is our prayer. God, help us to deal with the present crisis, amen. You may be seated. This morning, I want to title this "Just That: The Present Crisis." Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth, and he's writing this letter that is found in uh, in Corinthians as, as as he's writing this. He gets to a part that is addressing husbands and wives. He's addressing sexual relationships. He addresses husbands and wives in Corinth, the letter to Corinth, and the letter to Ephesus. The reason he's addressing this is because in these these two cities, there is sexual perversion that is taking place, and Paul is addressing the... The, the present crisis. Well, what's the present crisis? The present crisis was a question that came to Paul. And Paul refers to this at the start of chapter seven. And Paul says, concerning your question, here's the question. I realize uh, it's in the scripture, we're gonna be decent and in order, but I'm gonna talk what the scripture says. Here's what the scripture says. It says, is it right for us or should we abstain from sexual relationships with women. Another another, uh, translation says, should we abstain from touching women? It means having sexual relationships with them. Paul responds, he says, yeah, in this crisis, it's a good thing for you to stop unless you're married. If you're married, that belongs in marriage. But if you're not married, yeah, it would be good to stop. Now, here's the situation that was going on. In both Ephesus and in in Corinth, they had these temples. In Ephesus, they had the temple to the, the goddess Diana. In Corinth, they had the temple to the god of Epaphrodites. And both of these goddesses were pagan temples where people would go to worship. And one of the ways that they would go to worship would be to interact with prostitutes. So there would be individuals who were getting saved in Corinth, and upon salvation would have sometimes three or more wives. And because they had multiple wives, each wife had a different role. One wife's job was to clean, another wife's job was to take care of the goats, another wife's job, whatever assignment, whatever it was, it was their job to take care of things, but none of them had relationships or sexual relationships with the husband because the husband didn't, didn't interact with them that way. The husband would go to the temple and interact with the prostitutes. So because he was with the prostitutes, he did not have that kind of desire for his wife. How many know we've got a couple problems going on right here? And if you've ever thought the Bible was boring, you all didn't read it. I mean, I've read the Bible sometimes. They're like, oh my word, Lord, have mercy. If you think America's got some issues, America has some problems. And I believe we are off the rails and there's just some confusion and there's just some disorder and chaos in our country. Corinth was worse. Now that doesn't mean like, ah, it's no big deal. What it means is, if there was hope for Corinth, there's still hope for America. There's hope for for the confusion, for broken, there is hope And so there's this hope. And so he's saying to, Paul is saying to the church, he's dealing with the crisis and saying, yeah, that's out of line. That's not how that's supposed to work. That's not what it's meant to be, that sex is between a husband and a wife. And he's giving instruction and telling them how to respond to this present crisis. He's saying to them, in essence, sex isn't the problem, your marriage is. Sex is not the problem. Paul is saying to them, hey, your issue is not that you should stop altogether. It's that your marriage needs to be in the right place because if you get your marriage in the proper place, then the sexual relationships would fall in the right line and it would give influence. What what I want to encourage us to recognize is that sex is not the problem in our world because what we tend to do in our our society is we tend to make what God created as bad and we try to, to... try to either create laws or put things around it, and then we miss the whole point. God does not have a problem with sex. He has a problem with sex outside of the marriage bed and the place that God is, has, has has given permission. That's God's word. Now, I realize already right now, it's uncomfortable because there's others, there's some of us in the room and many of us in the room that are like, Oh my gosh, Jason. So if we're going to talk about this topic, this subject, you know how uncomfortable that makes people because no one has a perfect marriage. No one has done it perfect. Maybe there's mistakes. There's stuff we shouldn't have done and regrets and everything. And we would say, what hope is there? Here's the good news. With man, all things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Can I tell you that healing is not what we can do? When I talk to two people getting married... I say to them, don't expect them to fix you. You are two broken people about to get married. Guess what two halves make? Not a whole in this case. Two broken people make more broken things. The only thing that'll fix you is the grace of, with man it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So yes, we live in a society, a world, that's turned upside down, we, we, there's perversion, there's stuff that's around us, and I don't want to look at this and say, oh, we're doomed, we have no hope. What I want to say is, yes, with man, things are impossible. Because how many know man knows how to make a mess? But with God, all things are possible. God brings Healing He brings hope, restoration. I don't want to make a blanket statement, but I do want to make a challenging statement, and that is this: The gender identity crisis in our society has been affected by the health of our marriages. Our marriages, and some of how we look at marriage, has contributed to this. I want to look at Matthew chapter 19. you've been holding your place there. I want to read Matthew chapter 19, just a couple verses, and I want you to see what Jesus says about marriage. Specifically, if you read the heading, if you have headings in your Bible like I have, the heading says this, discussion about divorce and marriage. Here again, this is not where we pick up stones and throw stones. This is where we say, oh God, give us a healthy perspective and a healthy response because if we're not allowing healing in here, we'll just add to the brokenness out there. Can I say that again? If we don't allow healing in here in our marriages with healthy healings, we'll just contribute to the brokenness that's out there. I would imagine there's probably room for more, for a healthier perspective of marriage and uh, sex in your world, whatever that might be, whether you're married or single, um, whatever that situation. I, I want you to see what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 19. Here's what he says, verse three. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap Jesus with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife in just, for just any reason? Haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied. They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away? Now, two things I want to say here. First of all, whatever your past is, is in the past. We're not bringing it up. That's your past. Let me remind you what Paul said. Paul said, remain as you are in this current moment. Whatever's your past, leave it in the past. I'm talking about this moment forward that we would walk in healing and wholeness. Somebody say amen. Amen. Whatever the past is, that's the past. He says here, why did Moses say in the law? Well, first of all, Moses did not say in the law. Moses gave concession. Jesus says this in verse 8. He says, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts, but it was not what God had originally intended. And I will tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. Once again, let me remind you that the grace of God, the love of Jesus, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from from all unrighteousness. No matter what our past sins is, it is under the blood of Jesus. I'm not bringing up past. I'm saying help us to walk forward in wholeness and healing and with a proper perspective of marriage. Somebody say amen. Amen. He he says here that that it is adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. Jesus' disciples then said to him, if this is the case, it's better not to marry. What they're recognizing here is that marriage is so So high and important that they're like, it's better not to even mess with it. You know, there is power running through my house. It's called electricity. Do you know what I'm not going to do? Mess with electricity. Because here's what I know. If you don't do it properly, you could electrocute yourself. So you know what I would say? Then who should even be electrician? I don't know. Maybe you. I don't know. And here's what Jesus' reply is, not, ah, it's no big deal. No, Jesus says, no, you're right. But not everybody can accept this. Here's the point. Marriage is so held in such esteem and such honor that it's honorable unto God. And so his response when they said, then it's better to not even be married. Jesus says not everyone can accept this statement. Only those whom God helps and he's not saying, oh, it's not that big of a deal. No, he's saying, guys, you're right. It is that, that important. It's held in that, that high of honor. So marriage should not be entered into lightly. It's not a whimsical thing that you just make a decision and head off to Hollywood or wherever you go. I guess it's Vegas. Sorry, I got the wrong chapels messed up. And uh, you, you, you just go. It's not just something you wake up one day and say, let's go do this. No, you got to enter into this in, a, in an important role, an important decision. Marriage is a big deal. Marriage is not to be entered into lightly. And so they're making this recognition. And Jesus is saying, yeah, it would be good to remain single, but that's only for people who can do it. Obviously, I'm not one of them. But there is a gift, and there is the ability to be able to do that. God is not saying, yeah, married people are, married people are, 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 are better or whatever. No, he's saying, no, those who are able, by God's grace... To honor, that's the way to go. In fact, that's what Paul was saying. Uh, be a lot easier if you're not married. That was Paul's words. Because how many know you have a little more to deal with when you're married? I mean, I'm finding this out now. My kids are leaving the house. Uh, in just two weeks, our youngest will be leaving the house. That's not a hurrah. That's a, okay, here we, we did it. They're, they're going. It's a process of life. It's what happens. And already I'm feeling like, what am I going to do with my time? Please don't, hey, I got something for you to, please, I'm, I didn't mean it that way, like, you know, I got all the time Well, What I mean is, things are just different now. Uh, anybody who's gone through life stages know what I'm talking about? It's like when the kids were young, and yeah, you, it was like, there's just all, everything's different. And so all of you parents with young kids, hold on, don't give up, it will change. You'll come to a stage in life, it's like, where did all that go? Uh, the time passed, and everything moves there's distractions that come and, and so Paul is making that point and even Jesus is saying only those who have God's help can remain unmarried he says, some are born as eunuchs, some have been made eunuchs by others, and some chose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone who, who accepts this, uh, let anyone who can accept this. And so he's giving the perspective that marriage is important. There's, there's high value. You don't just enter into it lightly. And, and here is something that, that I recognize is in the attitude of the Pharisees. Here's some of the attitude of the Pharisees and what leads to our culture that brings in confusion. Their attitude was one, they wanted to trap and test Jesus. How many know that anyone who has the attitude that I just want to trap and test and catch people in a trap, I just want to make things complicated and they make things harder. They just have an attitude of, I want to be divisive. I want to catch them on the spot. I want to make issues. How many know there are just some people who like to make issues? Come on. I mean, there are some people that just like to make issues. There are some people that this is not really something of, of importance to them. They just love to stir things up. Can I just say to us, quit getting stirred up by the world. This is the moment. Let me, let me say this. The church for too long reacts to the world when we should be leading the world. Amen. Here's what I mean by we react to the world. We get excited when court cases are won or when they're lost. <gasps> ah, stop it. Don't react to the world. Lead the world. Don't react to what's going on. We get excited because, which by the way, Roe v. Wade, that's a big deal. And, and just so you know, that's going back to the courts or back to the local states like it was meant to be. It's doing what was constitutionally in line to do in the first place. So before you, if you're on the other side that think, you know, you know abortion should be legal, which by the way, all life comes from God, that's a whole separate issue. My point is, it's a constitutional issue. It's a constitutional thing. And so don't get too raised up. And so I'm, not, I'm celebrating because, yeah, it's common sense coming into the Supreme Court. That's great. But you know what? I'm not rejoicing too much. You know why? Because I'm not sent to the world to stop abortion. I've been sent to the world to be salt and light so that dead people can find a way to live in Jesus. Yes. Ending abortion is not my job. Now, it doesn't mean I shouldn't protect life. Are you following me? But the win is not, oh, we end up, that's not the win. The win is lost people find Jesus that's the win, that's what's at stake, that's what matters, that's where it is, and so I would encourage us that not to get moved, that we would not just react to the world, but that we would lead the world, and that's why I want to talk on this subject, because I hope that we can lead the world. Here's the other thing, it says that they neglected the scripture. Jesus says, haven't you read what the scriptures say? How many know, if you want to know truth, you got to start with scripture. They were neglecting what the scripture said. Here's the one. They elevated their circumstantial situation above truth. They're like, well, what about what Moses? Moses gave permission. How many know some people like to argue with circumstantial situations? And what I mean by that is, well, it would be hard to do the right thing because I'm in an awkward situation. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter how awkward awkward your situation is, honor God and do the right thing and he'll iron out the details. How do I know he knows how to work out your situational difficulties and situations? How do I know he can do that? Because he created the world. I mean, if he spoke things into existence, the creator, and I know sometimes people are like, well, we could argue that too. And that's the reason why we have issues and don't know who we are, because we don't know who made us. <laughs> I mean, take away, take away design, and everybody's like, well, I don't know why I'm here. If you don't have a purpose, if there's not someone by design, no wonder we have, a, we have the issues that we have. That's not me throwing stones. That's me just saying, oh, if we would know who we are in Christ, it settles everything. It just brings everything in a whole different context. Some of you are like, why did we come to church today? I don't. Um, I promise you, I'm not on a soapbox. I, I'm, I'm preaching the truth of God's word and wanting to put it in balance and perspective. I am not on the far, well, that's the left. I'm not on all of those sides. I'm I'm in Christ, and I want the truth of God's word that brings hope, all right. So they, uh, they ask the question, well, what about what Moses said? You know, there's circumstances and, and things that are with this. I love what Jesus says, and Jesus said, Moses did not give permission Or Moses did not allow that because it was according to the law. He allowed it because he was condoning and giving concession because he knew you were going to do it anyway. Why? Because you had a hard heart. Let me ask you a question. How many have ever been in a place that you knew you shouldn't say, shouldn't go, shouldn't look, shouldn't touch, but you did it anyway? Oh, you had a hard heart too. And and by the way, those of you who didn't raise your hand, uh, that was probably the moment where you knew you should have raised your hand, but you did. I mean, we've all had a hard heart. We have all done at times what we knew we should not do and did it anyway. The Bible says all like sheep have fallen or gone astray, that everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. Can I remind you, you are sitting in a room with no perfect people, with no perfect marriages, and no perfect past. We are all individuals in need of the grace and the good news of Jesus Christ. Now listen, I am no longer a sinner saved by grace. I am a son of God delivered and made new. My past is gone. I'm made new in Jesus. I am more than just a sinner saved by grace. So I don't want to attach anything that's in the past. What's in the past, you leave that in the past. Amen. Don't bring this in. I'm saying from this moment forward that we would walk in newness. And so every single one of us have had a stubborn heart, a hard heart. And Jesus is saying to them, no, it was concession. He, he, he condoned in a season because he knew you were going to do it anyway. Can let's just, let's all just be honest. We have helped make some of the messes we've been in in life. Can we just be honest? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But please, be honest with yourself right now. There have been moments of like, oh, crud, I'm in this situation. And here's the truth. You contributed to it. And that's not saying, get what you deserve. No, that's saying, yeah, we all fall short. With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And so he's saying to them, he gave you that concession because of your hard heart. Here's what I want you to hear today. What you concede in one season will become confusion in the next. Or what you condone in one season will become confusion in the next. What you condone in one season, what you overlook and turn an eye to, what you just accept in one season will open the door to confusion in the next. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19, we read um, verse four to six. It says, haven't you read that the beginning, at the beginning the creator made them male and female and he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Uh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. I'm not gonna tell you how that works, but two become one. It has to do with sex. That's how that works. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. This is what Jesus says. I wanna, I wanna focus in on this just for a moment and uh, wrap up with this. But here's, here's an observation I wanna make. A generation is confused about gender, because a generation prior was confused about marriage and a generation before them was confused about sex. The reason there's a confusion about identity and gender is because we lost the sacredness of marriage and that all started because we didn't recognize and honor God in the proper way with sex So this is not a blanket statement, but this is a statement of contribution that when Hebrews says that the marriage bed is to be holy and the marriage bed is where husband and wife in covenant agreement to God are in union and in relationship, that is where sex belongs. And if you take sex outside of where it belongs, it will hinder marriages. And if your marriages aren't healthy, it will hinder identity. And this leads to confusion. I'm not saying it's the blanket statement that caused it all. I'm saying it's a contributing factor. If we honor God in the sacredness of our marriages, it will help set a course of health and security through. Someone who has an identity crisis, and listen, if, if someone struggles with that, I, I say this with, with compassion. Okay, this is compassion. But someone that, I, that is dealing with an identity crisis is dealing with insecurity. One of the things that makes, and again, this is not a blanket statement, it's a contribution statement. One of the best ways for a child to feel security is in the health of a husband and wife and a mother and father that show proper and godly love create safety and for security for a child. Here again, I'm not picking up stones because whatever's in the past is in the past. Be in the place you are today and i healing to move forward. Those of you that have young kids, the best thing you can do for your young kids is to let them see you and your spouse. Number one, to honor God with your marriage, but to let them see you and your spouse in a healthy, physical, appropriate relationship. I remember watching my mom and dad kiss. My parents had been married for 40, oh, 45 years, yeah. I was born out of wedlock, that's how old. (laughs) It's in my family. I, I would be a next generation alcoholic womanizer, but God got a hold of my dad. God changed the course of my family. I mean, I would go to grandpa's picnics that he would have people come over, and we would have to leave before the Playboy Bunny showed up. And I'm sorry if you have to explain that later, just to let that go. I came from a dysfunctional, messed up family. But Jesus. Amen. But Jesus. My parents have been married now for 45 years. And uh, my parents still to this day kiss every time they see each other. Amen. You know what? I remember as a kid being like, oh my gosh, my parents are embarrassing. But you know what it created for me? I'm safe. I'm in a safe place. My parents are not perfect. They're healthy. Oh, mom and dad fought. And they grew through that. But they're healthy. So what I want to ask you today, healthy things grow. So are we growing? Let me give you some statements um, and um, Three, three statements. I know we're gonna we're gonna wrap up. But let me give you three truths and three challenges. Is that all right? Here's here's uh, here's truth number one. There are only two genders. God made male and female. The Bible says this that He created them male and female. Now, I want to remind you that He created them in His image, both male and female. The part that's significant is God created them in their image. Now, here's the challenge I want to give you. The challenge I want to give you is just because there are two genders, there's a man and there's a woman, doesn't mean that all men are the same and doesn't mean all women are the same. Even in the Bible, there were two brothers, Jacob and Esau, Jacob and Esau were twins. They came from the same family, same time, one right behind the other. The Bible says of Esau that he was a hunter, an outdoorsman, and a hairy man. He was a man's man. I mean, he didn't need a sweater because he never took it off. He was a man's man. He was Esau. But then Jacob was a mama's boy. Jacob liked to cook and hang out around the house. How many know these are Two different men, but they're both men. Here's the challenge I want to give us we as a society and a culture helped add to the confusion because we labeled people rather than seeing them for who they are. We gave stereotypes and we labeled people because of their mannerisms, because their actions, because of what they did. We no longer saw a man or a woman made in the image of God. We had words that we used, and God help us if we would say those things, that we would label people and stereotype and speak to people. And we did it in front of our kids and taught our kids how to, which by the way, if you remember, bullying was an issue. It still is. But now this is another issue. Can I tell you why we bullied, because we learned how to stereotype and label people, and let's not pretend we didn't do it in church. Let's not pretend we didn't say, oh, they don't act like we, they, they're different. They're, and we put people in categories. We contributed. And so now why do people wonder and confused of where they fit? Because we gave labels and titles and stereotypes to people to make them feel like they didn't fit. Instead of saying you are either a man made in the image of God or a woman made in the image of God. I, it doesn't, you're either one or the other, but you are made in the image of God. And what we tend to do or have done, and let's just be honest, we have allowed ourselves to give stereotypes and labels to people forgetting that they were made in the image of God. Amen. So I just want to say to you, we contributed. I'm not, it's not blame. It's us having to own responsibility. So I want to challenge you. Rather than stereotyping and labeling and calling somebody something, what about first seeing, no, they are a woman made in the image of God or they are a man made in the image of God because there are no other labels, only those two fit. I got to just say this because I encourage myself. I'm telling the truth, y'all. Whether it's like it or not, it's the truth. I'm telling the truth. We created stereotypes. We do that in our society. We give people names because of how they are. There's only two. Here's the second thing. And and so I want to encourage you to embrace differences. Can I say that will help in a marriage? Don't expect your spouse to think like you, act like you, respond like you. Embrace the difference. If you embrace the difference of that spouse, it'll make you a better person. But if you just force them to be like you, you just get you, ooh. So you fell in love with you? I thought you fell in love with him or her. Remember, value the difference. Recognize the difference. So here's the, here's the second thing. Marriage is holy and unto God. It says here that, that he Uh, Join them together, and so because he brought them together, let no one separate them. That when we operate in holiness, we need to eliminate divorce. And here's what I mean by this. Obviously, eliminate divorce. I want to say to you, um, remember how important marriage is, and don't give up on your marriage. Now, Jesus does give one, and we know of another reason, a reason for divorce. One is marital unfaithfulness, And the other is physical, emotional, let me, physical, sexual, or verbal abuse. None of God's sons and daughters should be abused. Don't ever lay your hand on your spouse unless it is intentional with kindness and love to honor him or her in the gift that God has given you with the consent and understanding of that spouse You treat your spouse Like the gift they are from God um, I want to encourage you with this um, The Bible says that the older Should teach the younger Hey older people I'm, I'm there now I'm 45 years old Been married for 25 years three kids, almost out of the house. I'm not a pro. I'm not an expert, but I've learned some things. And one of my life's passion is to raise up men, young men that'll run after God and love their family with all their heart. I want to raise up men and men. I'd say women, but to be honest with you, my passion is to raise up fathers of the faith. It's my heart's desire. To see young men that would say, I'm going to raise my home in a way that would honor God. You know why? Because Jesus got a hold of my dad when he was 20 years old, 22 years old. And my dad raised from that point on a two-year-old. Yeah, we were in an awkward situation. But dad got married, gave his heart to Jesus, and raised this young man in a way of honoring the Lord. Not perfect. Not perfect. <laughs> Please. There is not a perfect person in the room, not an unblemished past, not one. But that we would honor, and that's eliminate divorce. Here's the last one. The last one is this, that we would hold sex in its proper place, that we would, that we would elevate dignity. Um, the Bible says that the two became one the way the two become one. I want to just say this. Sex is designed by God as a gift to a husband and wife in their expression to one another. Again, not making judgment, I just got to make statement. What right do I have to stand over here and say, I can't believe these people who have a problem with their identity and don't know who they are. When I condone over here, eh, sex outside of marriage, eh, what are you gonna do? People these days, can't help it. Okay. Do you hear me? What right do we have to stand here and say, crazy, they don't even know who they are. My heart breaks for someone who doesn't know who they are. But how can I say they don't even know who they are and point a finger when over on this side, we're not honoring the marriage bed. Are you following me today? I know this is uncomfortable. I know this is one of those things because, let's be honest, it's, it's not an easy thing to map out. But I'm just saying when we honor the Word of God... If you're a young person in the room, I i don't know. Maybe I'm wrong in this. But I feel like if there was somebody bold enough, and I'm not asking anybody to be, but if there was someone bold enough, they would take this mic and say, hey, young person, listen to what he's saying. I wish I would have. Probably someone in the room that says, hey, don't, don't step in places you don't have to go. here. Someone said to me one time as a youth pastor, they said, you're, you're, you're wise for your age. And I, you know why I'm wise for my age? Because I learned from my dad's mistakes instead of making my own. Wisdom is when you learn from someone else's and you don't have to walk the same path. That's wisdom. Wisdom is when I don't have to, I don't have to explore or figure it out. No, I, I learned from that and, and that wisdom would, would come. Here, here's the last thing I, I'm going to say and say, and the last thing is this, that um, sex is to be held in dignity. And so let's not pursue it as an experience to have, but as a pursuit of the person we've committed our lives to, to honor, to love, and respect. Um, we ought to watch the way we talk about sex, the way we joke about sex, the way we... Um, Hey, men, husbands, let's make sure our wives know they didn't marry a pervert. That they married someone who loves them, who's committed to honor and to serve them, and that it's mutual, and that we honor God with the marriage bed. That we would... Not treat it was my job to have my conversation, the conversation with my son when it was appropriate. That there are going to be things on television and things around you that are going to make you want to think of women as an object, but it's my job to teach you how to treat a woman and not and to challenge you hey, what are you watching? What are you looking at? Because, yeah, it's stirring some desires in you. That desire's not wrong, but the Bible says don't awaken it until it's time. Don't let that come forth until it's time. Honor God. I'm not at all saying we got it all down and it's all perfect. What I'm saying is with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. And I'm saying if we're going to address the confusion in our culture, we've got to address what we've condoned in our own homes. Okay? I love you. I hope you know, this, I, man, if you, if you felt like I threw a stone at you today, my heart breaks because I, uh, last night I said, God, I don't want to talk on this. Can we do a different subject? And I just felt the Lord say, no, the church needs to lead. We need to lead. We can't just react to the world. We need to lead. And so, how many would say by God's grace, not with perfection, but with God's grace, we're going to lead our homes and we're going to lead our lives. How many would say that today? If, if, you, if you say, by God's grace, yeah, would you stand with me all across this room today? We're going to sing this song before I close in prayer. Check on your neighbor. Make sure everybody's good. Take a deep breath. Everybody's all right. We're, we're good. <sighs> Here's how I, I want to sing this song, just the chorus or the bridge. I will build my life. Don't drudge up the past Remember what Paul said, remain in the situation you're in. And how many would say to God, God, from this moment forward, I, I want to I have a healthier, and, and something that's healthy is growing. So what I want to say to God is, God, I want to grow in my marriage. I want to grow in my, my relationship with my wife. I want to grow if you're single. I want to grow in my attitude towards, uh, towards marriage, towards honoring God. And I want, I want to become more healthy. How many would say, I want my home to become more healthy? Is that anybody today? Yeah, I want to become more healthy. Because none of us are perfect.